Welcome to Ready to be Romanced. I'm Tori. And I'm Beth Ann. And today we're discussing book talk. I can't wait. I can't wait, Tori. <laughs> me too. Beth Ann, thanks for joining me on today's podcast. It's really nice to talk to you because we have recorded before on my other podcast, Ready to be Petty. But today we're diving in more to your background and your um, industry knowledge of the publishing industry. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? and your podcast. Yes, happy to. And I'm really happy to be back again, Tori. This is fun, especially since you have this other podcast. I'm so impressed. So <laughs> thank you. I, I can't, you know, I, I need a team to get me through <laughs> mine. So basically, I have been writing about books and authors and publishing for nearly 25 years now. And my career path is not one that anyone could follow not because I'm special, but because I'm different. And I didn't come into publishing through any of the regular routes, uh, at least available to my generation, to my Gen X kind of uh, cohort. Uh, so I didn't work in New York City where publishing, you know, that's the Mecca, right? I didn't start writing as an author. I started writing as a book reviewer and then I became the editor of a few book, bookish, not necessarily book review, but book and publishing sites. I was a blogger for quite a while um, for AOL. When I was books editor there, I blogged for Publishers Weekly, for Barnes and Noble, uh, a lot of different stuff. And what happened along the way is not only did I pick up expertise, I hope, um, and experience, but I also got to know the publishing industry both. I don't want to say I was an insider, but I also wasn't an outsider. Maybe it was an inside out perspective <laughs> yeah. on publishing. Now, um, as the years have gone on, I have become an author uh, myself. I continue to work uh, a lot as a book critic. I write for the LA Times several pieces a month. I write for some other places occasionally. Uh, I have my podcast, Missing Pages, about the publishing industry. And I'm also working on a second memoir um, right now. So I am busy and happy and also teaching creative writing. So a lot, I, I love this. So I, many yeah, avenues of like creativity. It is. Yeah. It is so many avenues. And um, the thing about it is that I have developed very strong opinions about a lot of things in publishing. That doesn't mean that I am the expert or even an expert i do report or well i write features regularly for publishers weekly and uh you know i do know more than your average bear about uh <laughs> about yeah and i also and i just want to tell your listener story too that i was kind of a not a pioneer but an early adapter to social media and so at one point on twitter as the book maven I had nearly 230,000 followers. I think that's dropped. That's okay. Because, you know, Twitter is now X, you know, the mm -hmm. world is upside down. But I do still know a lot about social media. Mm -hmm. And I know one of the things we're going to be talking about today is book talk. And I have some, again, strong opinions about it uh, mm -hmm. that I'm happy to share. And I am like your listeners, an avid reader. And I love talking about 
reading in general. So there you go. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you're the perfect person to talk about this because I actually, in my real life, I feel like, and on, you know, my podcast and stuff, I haven't really talked about book talk which is fascinating because it has really impacted me in the last couple years, like what mm-hmm. I'm reading, what I'm viewing, what I'm watching, all of that stuff. So yeah, and I know it's had a, a great impact, I feel like, on the publishing industry. It has. So let's get into it. It seems from an out an outsider outsider perspective that the publishing industry is rapidly shifting. Can you discuss a little bit about the rise of book talk? Like why in particular has this just become such a phenomenon? Because you know, reading has been here since forever. And I just feel like I'm seeing it everywhere. It's it's changed. Like I, I went into a local bookstore the other day and, you know, there's a huge sign that says like, you know, trending book talk books where they're, you know, selling and advertising these books as popular on TikTok. It's so interesting to me. So what do you think about it? Well, let me first say that one of our episodes for season two of Missing Pages, my podcast with the podglomerate, is about Colleen Hoover, who is a huge star in part because of book talk. I don't want to say it's all because of book talk, uh, but uh, Colleen Hoover, as some of your listeners will know, and I'll be very quick about this, started self-publishing novels that weren't necessarily romances, but had a lot of appeal to the romance reading audience. Mm -hmm. And she got really popular when her books hit social media and then when they hit book talk they just exploded up yeah yes blew up and so now hoover and this is where i'm getting because you were just talking about the display in the bookstore now hoover has so many books out and some of them are self-published but now she also publishes with one of the big five or at least one maybe two of the big five publishers And I was shocked. I can't remember when it was. It was probably 18 months ago that I went on a trip and in the airport saw one of those cardboard, um, you know, book marketing display things that usually has things like beach reads or Mm -hmm. business books. And it was just Colleen Hoover. You know, it was 12 different books and it was just (laughs) Colleen Hoover. And I thought... Oh, this is more, that was when I started, this is more than um, just a a flash in the pan. This is a big deal. Uh, This is something important for us to talk about. And of course, in the episode, we break a lot of things down. But the point is, as you were just saying, you saw a display of books popular on Book Talk. And I think we need to pay attention to this because readers are sharing in a very different way on right, book talk and this right. is so I, I mean i could go on and on so interrupt me tori <laughs> no no this is great i love this here's the thing we've always known in the publishing in book publishing that word of mouth or w-o-m wom is the big way to sell books it has been a topic of discussion for years that social media didn't sell books well Along comes book talk, right? And yeah, Twitter didn't sell books. 
Facebook, didn't really sell books, et cetera, et cetera. Book talk comes along and book sales on these titles that people are talking about on book talk, crying over, and I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> those, uh, those books are just blowing up. Um, I anecdotally can tell you, I have a friend who wrote an anthology and because I didn't talk to her about this in advance, I'll just not say anything more specific, who had sold well and had, a, you know, the anthology had some amazing writers in it, but someone started talking about it on book talk and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, something that was a fairly serious, not, um, not fiction, mm -hmm. not romance, not, you know, something everyone thinks book talk is about easy books, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, people like to, you know, deride genre fiction. We mm -hmm. that's another episode. I thought that was really interesting too. So yeah. I started looking at book talk then and thought, what is it? What is and and actually this is pre Colleen Hoover because I wrote a piece, I know you're gonna put it in the notes mm -hmm. for Lit Hub about three years ago. Uh, about book talk. And here's what I found fascinating. I started looking at it and I would see, especially three years ago, right? Um, a lot of people crying, like this book changed my life. This book broke me into pieces. This book spoke to me, I'm no longer alone. And the emotion and the, the, the tears, the weeping, the um, deeply, deeply sincere and personal reactions. I'm not a scientist at all, but I thought there's something going on here. So first thing that pops into my tiny little unscientific brain mm -hmm. is think of a yawn, right? When someone yawns, and I see this all the time when I'm teaching, if I'll be like, please don't yawn, I will catch it. <laughs> Yawns are contagious, right? Yes, we all know that. Yes. Well, it turns out that book talk reactions in a way are also contagious. And I've been really surprised not to have seen more about this again, because I'm not a scientist, I'm not a specialist, but in my piece, I said, look, we know that uh, when there are young people watching each other, it doesn't go into their thinking brain. Okay. When you see, when you're um, a 19 year old woman and you see a friend crying, it goes straight to your amygdala, to your reptile brain. And the thing about the amygdala that's important here, okay, mm -hmm. it's about instincts. Mm -hmm. And when you have an instinctual reaction to something like seeing, you know, a, a, a contemporary cry over a book, it actually stimulates action in the mm -hmm. amygdala because mm -hmm. it is the fight or flight center of the brain. So you want to do something. Mm -hmm. This is the genius of book talk. Book talk, you see someone cry, you take in that feeling, that sadness, that, and you think, okay, what can I do? I will fly out and buy the book. So yeah. there's actually, you know, scientific neurological sense behind yeah. book talk. You know, and I think this this is something. And the reason I'm surprised that no one, as you know, far as I know, no one else has written about this, because, I mean, come on, let's face it, all kinds of industries rely on psychological, psychiatric, neurological data for marketing, right? Like, what if 
a marketing department at somewhere at Penguin Random House actually like broke that down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be on this podcast. That. Maybe I'm going to, you know, I'm going to foster some kind of, you know, new evil marketing yes. genius kind of thing. But I do think book talk is the new word of mouth. It is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so much to say that to that. Yeah. Totally agree about word of mouth. I feel like that is the, you know, that is the best way to tell people about something. I always say that with the podcast too. Like, you know, if you're a listener, like share it to your stories, like yes, rate and review and stuff like that. That helps people read those for sure. But especially with podcasting, like if your friend says, oh, I like this, I think you'll like it, you should listen to this. It's so much different than reading a review that's like, I enjoyed this episode. Um, So yeah, you're appealing to, yeah, something different in the person. Totally agree with the emotional component to it because with these short videos, we are A, fed a lot of them in a short amount of time. And with the B, with the TikTok algorithm being so spot on, I think people, you know, you get into this loop and then all of a sudden you're on book talk forever. And then the the third part that I think is interesting of what you're saying and why bookstagram per se, like obviously that is a, you know, industry in itself and definitely part of this conversation, but when you are just posting a flat image or graphics yes graphic yes an infographic Mm -hmm. thank you you're just not getting the emotional component of a a video and I think the thing that people didn't realize about TikTok in terms of selling products books or otherwise because I'm also a big skincare girly um and makeup girly you you couldn't tell this morning but (laughs) (laughs) you can't tell from me this morning either but here I'll just like I I, like oh Clay de Poe is the only concealer ladies okay and this Dr. Haushka lip balm is the bomb oh I love you know I oh yeah I I am so also um Il Maquillage Lip Crayons. Yes. Okay. okay. So I, love I, this. I mean, I, so I love this. I, I'm a big skincare and makeup girly too. Oh and my gosh. Uh, I mean, we could go up, but you know, when you can see someone apply something, when you can see um, the slip of a cream, all of that stuff. And look, I have, you know, unmanicured. Um, oh, my nails are looking terrible, but <laughs> I, I love, I'm just, I mean, I love this stuff. And I, here's a little anecdote about that, that ties into what you're saying and brings us kind of back, I think, to where, you know, TikTok and book talk have been so strong. Way, way back in the early days of Twitter, there was a um, social media person at Bergdorf Goodman who decided to try something different. So instead of just saying, here's what I had for breakfast, this person said, I am going to give you like uh, brow uh, instructions in a series of tweets. And I can't remember at the time, I don't think we could put up video or images on Twitter. This was way, way early. So (laughs) this person would have these threads about and here's how many times you need to do this. So once you've, um, you know, used your eyebrow pencil, you need to use the spoolie three times and do not skip this. 
And it was right. so great because, and this is where I'm getting back to TikTok and book talk. It, instead of just saying brows are important, buy a good brow pencil. This was very specific, very experiential. Um, it was something you could try. And that's the thing. Oh, yeah. I could buy this book or read this book. I could actually participate in this process instead of feeling like there's this distance. And I, I think book talk is so brilliant for bringing people in and making them feel like they can be part of things. And unfortunately, look, I'm a words person. I know you are as well, Tori. I love to read. I am never <laughs> going to stop reading. I read digitally. I read on paper. I listen to audiobooks, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. However, video does some things that words can't do and vice versa. And so totally. I, I guess if I were going totally. to be doing a PSA about book talk, I would be saying to everyone out there, I love that you're connecting this way. I love that you're, you know, buying books because of this. Just don't forget to read the books you buy. <laughs> yeah, yes. No, that's so true because it's kind of, I feel like sometimes it's getting a little Stanley Cup panic at the Target right now where it's like, you also feel this pressure that you need a perfectly aesthetic and you have one. But you've, I'm sure you have been collecting those for 20 plus years, <laughs> where it's like, it, it's perfect. It's literally so perfect. But I feel like, you know, folks my age or younger, I feel like they're like, okay, I need to have like a curated, perfect, like ceiling to floor um, bookshelf of all of my books. So there, I think that there is this like pressure and this capitalist piece about it. But the other piece that I think of is just like, it's so different when a company tells you to read a book and when a person like you with maybe some of the same identity markers or same age or like whatever mm -hmm. is telling you to read a book, like it's it's just so different. So yeah, it's, it's so fascinating to me. This is another thing is like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because again, outsider, but I feel like publishing books, like people were in a panic, uh, because books weren't like the new medium like or like a new medium like I just feel like it was kind of dying out maybe for mm -hmm. certain age groups but um I just feel like book talk has reinvigorated reading amongst young young folks and not saved a dying industry but like we just read so much I feel like or learned so much about how you know the the publishing industry was like in a little bit of a crunch because no one was buying books. So yeah. What oh, do you, what do so you think much. about that? So I just came back from a vacation and uh, both of our daughters were with us. And so our daughters are five years apart chronologically, but six years apart academically. And the reason I mentioned that is one is definitely a millennial. But the younger one is much more Gen Z than millennial because of that gap. So I feel as if I get a really good window into reading habits of both those groups, okay? And um, they are both readers. 
they both read in paper. They do not read ebooks. Um, they do listen to audiobooks, but ebooks, they're just like, nah. Uh, and they're always asking me for books. And I don't think either one of them reads nearly as much as I do or ever will because no one really should read as much as I do. <laughs> but but they no, are I feel the same. so interested in um, reading and in trying things. And I remember a couple of years ago, uh, the older daughter, the millennial, had a workbook club and they read a Colleen Hoover. And this is before, gosh, maybe this is even back in like 2018, 2019. And she was like, mom, it was Verity. And she was like, mom, this book is so poorly written. <laughs> I know, I'm I know. I was, I was like, that's I was so like, funny. Oh, yeah, I agree. Code name Verity. And she was like, no, mom, this is different. This is Verity by Colleen Hoover. And I was like, oh, I haven't heard of that one. Well, now, Everyone has her. Everyone, but totally everyone. Like a, a friend of mine who lives and like, I don't want to disparage Verity because <laughs> he gifted me this book. Like someone, someone, you know, who lives in the States, like one of my friends that, you know, I see every once in a while that lives in the States, like literally sent me the book because he was so like excited about it. So I totally get that. Um, but yeah, it's so funny. It wasn't like my you know, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a fun read, but it wasn't like a, a life-changing book that I would like super recommend. What, to yeah, and people. this is what you were asking is, so um, I, it's interesting. I do know from things that my, our daughters have told me anecdotally that they are readers and they have friends who are not. And that is disappointing to them. Listen, one of the best, proudest moments of my life was right after our younger daughter met her fiance a couple of years ago. She said, and mom, he has books in his apartment. He has like a whole, and I thought, <laughs> you know, cause uh, you know what John Waters says, if they don't have books, no, I won't go on. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so we have a family of readers. Everyone reads at different paces, but I do think reading has taken a hit from all of the other things we all have going on movie yeah TV, video games um yeah. social media i do like to remind people who bemoan you know reading as a bygone you know thing that people are reading all the time they're reading instructions they're reading websites they're reading the news reading is something that is just part of communication for humans now if you're talking yeah. about you know deep sustained reading either avid reading in, in terms of, you know, uh, amount or the kind of reading that really is difficult and that may change you. Uh, I do think that has dropped off a bit and I am very sad about yeah. it. However, however, I also think that books are gateway drugs. Whatever you find, when you finally find the kind of book that you love, I, I don't care if it's middle grade chapter books, romances, sci-fi, graphic novels. That is something that is going to keep you looking for more books. And eventually Absolutely. you're going to find different kinds of books too. Harder books, easier books, sillier books, um, fantastic books. I don't know anyone, for instance, Tori, who's an autodidact, right? Who hasn't read really, really fantastic 
thought-provoking books because once you start reading and you realize the different power that words on a page have to a video on a screen, you can't give it up. And so I wish that we would just be less judgmental about what other people read. You know, I, mm -hmm. I mean, come on, I love difficult literature. I have masters in medieval literature, for goodness sake. I love complicated, deep, heavy books. I also love romance, what, what we mm -hmm. once called chick lit. I love um, mm -hmm. really silly, funny fantasy uh, books. I love Terry Pratchett. I love Jasper Ford. I mean, it, there's, I have very wide and deep reading tastes. And I think that the more we let people read what they want, the more we are going to find reading continuing. And I just want to say one thing about book publishing as an industry. There are more books out than ever before. You know, we're, publishing is publishing just so, so many millions of titles around the world. And publishing is a flat industry. And by that, I mean, it is an industry that is never going to have big profits. However, that doesn't mean it's losing money. Publishing continues to make more money every year. It just doesn't rise the way a tech, you know, profit would. Right. Right. It's not this huge, like, linear. Yeah. Yeah. It's more slow and exactly. steady versus, like, shooting exactly. up. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so interesting. So I, I yeah. think when people bemoan, you know, the, 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 think reading is no longer fundamental, uh, they're not really seeing they're just thinking oh people are spending their time on these you know wasteful things and again that's a judgment yeah totally you said something that also was really interesting about the industry piece because uh, a lot of people are saying that book talk has caused a fast fashion kind of trend with books where people are like publishing at such a rapid rate and maybe lacking on some of the like editing uh they're like lesser quality which is interesting to me because I, I I think of the Verity type books and stuff like that but then again I also I also have to stop myself because then I'm like low quality in whose eyes because yeah that is such a subjective term it, it is yeah yeah but yeah what do you think about that about like people kind of rushing out maybe the sequel or whatever because their book is going viral on book so talk. do you do you know the word bookazine do you know what that signifies mm -mm. bookazines are the kind of fast publications that you see at the supermarket at the checkout aisle and so they're not just magazines they're bookazines because they're a special edition or they have a lot of um, extra material. Some of them look like magazines. Some of them don't. Some of them look like books. So remember, of course, you know, the little horoscope books you could see by the gum or um, recipe books that you would see, you mm -hmm. know, all, all there. So bookazines have been around for decades and decades. Um, those are fast, you know, um, throwaway kinds of reading. And let me just also give another personal anecdote. My grandmother, um, because she knew my sister and I loved to read, would bring home like just 
bundles and bundles of comic books and old magazines. And then there used to be these paperbacks. And again, they sold them in the grocery store. They probably sold them in some bookstores too, that were mm -hmm. um, ghost stories, supernatural stories, psychic yes, tales, yes. right? So like Edgar, yes, yeah. Edgar Casey's compendium of the paranormal. Oh my God, I devoured those books. They were so much fun to read when you're eight, nine, 10 years old. And you're like, oh my gosh, could this really be true? Did this town really have a visitation <laughs> from, you know, this or that? Um, it, it is, you know, uh, it is really fun. And those books were totally fast food books. Those were completely um, disposable People didn't care about keeping them. It was fast fashion. It was um, now if you found any of those books, of course, they'd be so yellow. The the paper that was used in the, the fibers. <laughs> I I can literally smell yeah. it. Like... Thank you. Exactly. I wish we had smell a vision yeah. for ready to be romance. Yes. And, and so yes. I just think there's always a sector of book publishing that is doing fast fashion like books. Um, and, you know, one of the things I know we were going to talk about, and I know we've just talked so long, uh, <laughs> is I just want to quickly talk about the Colleen Hoover coloring book controversy, yeah. because yes. coloring books are also something that is fast fashion like. And as you know, Tori, there was going to be a, a coloring book of It Ends With Us, the Colleen Hoover novel. So It Starts With Us was the first one, and then there was It Ends With Us. And so what, I don't know what was going through the head of, I think it's Simon & Schuster that was publishing this. Um, and yeah, I believe so, so. they were, I don't know how you make a coloring book of a novel that is about an abusive relationship. Okay. That was the first mistake. But then of course, mm -hmm. we also know that toxic masculinity has been in Colleen Hoover's real life as well, because her son has been accused of inappropriate behavior. And I don't want to go on about that too much because I don't have all the facts, but I do know that it caused the publisher to pull the coloring book. Now, as yeah. you mentioned, it is filming again. They are filming an yes. adaptation of It Ends With Us, which I am not thrilled about, but I just want, and, and we can talk about that in a second, but I just want to say, the coloring book, first of all, had no purpose, no need to be published. But second, again, coloring books, whether for adults or for children, are also fast fashion. And um, I, to tell you the truth, am surprised, and I haven't checked out the adult coloring book market lately, um, that there aren't more coloring books tied into series. You know, like like Absolutely. an Outlander coloring books. Maybe there is, you know? Yes. Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. There could be. I, I kind of have a a sense, maybe not with Outlander, but I was thinking of Sarah J. Mass's books. I feel yes, like maybe yes. she has some coloring books or, or some something like that because you're totally right. I feel like that's such a cash grabby, like perfect item because also like you buy one for yourself. Maybe you buy one as a gift. Like it's such a 
oh, it's the companion book. Right. Like I need it for my collection that's or right. whatever. So that's such, such a good point. But yeah, it's so interesting with Colleen Hoover because we know the SAG after strikes ended this fall and they resumed right. filming on the movie adaptation and it features Blake Lively and Jason Bell. Jason Baldoni, yeah. I believe yes. is the actor's name, um, who I love, both of those actors, truly. Um, but yeah, that's also meeting a little bit of criticism. People don't like, you know, the styling of the uh, outfits that the main character is wearing and stuff like that. Or even that the book, like, I feel like some people are more critical of it because of its content and are like, yeah, why are we like continuing with upholding this book? One thing I do appreciate about the Colleen Hoover content, especially after, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to say people should listen to the Missing Pages episode, because I did speak to Laura Miller, my colleague, who is the book critic for Slate, and she's really, really good and really, really smart. And I was surprised at how positive she was about Colleen Hoover's books, because let me tell you, Laura's taste is impeccable, and she mostly talks about very difficult literature and she said look um i think colleen hoover was trying to show the reality of what it's like to be within one of these relationships and that means that it doesn't always make sense to people who haven't experienced that to people who have you know healthier relationships, um, healthier families of origin, what what have you. And Laura Miller, essentially, and I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing and taking out of context, which is why you have to listen to the episode, mm -hmm, it, it, mm -hmm. you know, was basically saying, look, a, a lot of the people reading Colleen Hoover's books have experienced some kind of trauma and understand that when you're in it, you're not always thinking, why I am a strong woman, I shall mm -hmm. leave this relationship. No, you know, um, any of us who have seen something go wrong in a domestic um, mm -hmm. partnership know that it is not cut and dried that way. Totally, you know, and, totally. and um, you know, I think it may be, I mean, Hoover is a social worker. Hoover is no mm -hmm. dummy, no slouch. Mm -hmm, but um, no. that also, but I also know you can be no dummy and no slouch and still have a long way to go as a writer. And so it may mm -hmm. be that in future novels, Hoover is going to have more confidence in her ability to show an outside perspective in which someone, some voice, some character can say, look, we all knew that so-and-so was going down the wrong path, something like that. It just, I, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but I think it's interesting to watch an author grow. Totally, and sometimes books or videos or movies or whatever also tell us that we would do something different. And that's like, it, it also shows us that we would choose a different path or, yeah, it's like, oh, I don't like what this person did, so I would do something different or like something like that. So I would have to be, again, more familiar with the ins and outs of this, I feel like, to really say either way. But yeah, I definitely think that also can hone your own values because you can be like, 
I read this and I didn't like what happened. So if this happened to me in my real life or this has happened in the past or whatever, I would do something differently. So Exactly. That's such a good point, Tori, because one of the things that we talked about with another person was, you know, that, oh, this is really dangerous for young women to see. And I thought, okay, that isn't wrong. I mean, I don't want my daughters to only read books about women trapped in abusive relationships, but we don't do the things we read in books. We don't. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you. We were talking about that also like on ready to be romance. I feel like this is going to be like one of the thread lines is like when people read books about like student teacher relationships or age gap relationships or some, or something with like dubious consent or whatever, they are not necessarily doing that or want that in person, but they want to read about it. And yeah, it's stuff like that. I, I know it's not the same, but I just think that, yeah, like reading something isn't you doing well, it in exactly. real life. Exactly. I love espionage yeah, novels. Yeah. That's one of my top. Yeah. But I am not going out thinking I want to become a double agent now. I'm not like, yeah, you know, I yeah. live very close to the CIA and, you know, I could walk, I'm walking yeah. across the road and say, please take me in. Uh, but no, <laughs> no, we don't do yeah, the things totally. we read about. We read about those things totally. because we want to experience something different because it speaks to us because it tells us something about where we wouldn't go, as you just said, Tori. I mean, this is this is the power of reading and of literature. Mm -hmm. And when I say literature, I don't just mean, you know, the top 100 classics on Wikipedia. I mean, everything that we all read and enjoy. So yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, book talk is very interesting. At some point, something is going to replace it, right? Because mm -hmm, that's the other mm -hmm. thing we need to remember. Uh, when Twitter was big, 15 years ago, I think a lot of people made all kinds of business plans based on Twitter and publishing. And then they had to step back and rewind and say, oh, what's going to happen with Instagram? And so for a while, it seemed like Bookstagram was it. And believe me, I know that there are Bookstagrammers who wield tremendous influence and even some power in book publishing. But then along came book talk. It's just, mm. it, it, it just keeps going. Um, reading is not disappearing. The book is not disappearing. Those are the things that I believe I'm. Absolutely. Totally. But yeah, I, I completely agree. As we wrap up here, it's just like the um, attention economy. There's so many things grabbing our attention that I feel like sometimes you know, books have to fight for <laughs> for that spot um, nowadays, but there's something about the imag imagination that you get with reading that you don't get with video content or, um, you know, other forms of media that uh, t TV or movies are, are the things that I'm thinking about specifically, just like you don't get that imaginative piece right. that you get from reading that, that will make it so it stands the test of time. It, it, it will because you're connecting with someone's consciousness. You're connecting with an author. It is such an immediate and close connection. It's something you can't get anywhere else. And I'm sure there are so many people, so many colleagues of mine who have described it 
at, more at length and much better than I can say that, but the, it is absolutely irreplaceable. And like you said, it will stand the test of time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting today. It, it's so interesting. I, I love you. that I get to, you know, talk about this type of type of things because like usually it's, it's a one-sided conversation over here. So I really, really appreciate it. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you and anything else that you want to plug? Absolutely. So first of all, easiest place to find me is bethannpatrick.com. And Bethann is one word, B-E-T-H-A-N-N-E, bethannpatrick.com. Uh, I don't always have everything perfectly updated, but you can find all of the things that I do. I have my authory link up, which shows you my criticism, again, mostly at the LA Times right now. Um, I have links to Missing Pages, seasons one and season two. And that is my podcast with the Podglomerate about publishing scandals, processes, news, everything. It's really fun. And I hope we continue we'll see what happens. Uh, you can also over there find links to some of the other little things I do and they change all the time, but I do teach creative writing at American University here in DC and I'll be continuing to do that as well in case anyone listening is, you know, an AU student or interested uh, in any way. So I am thrilled to have come on a second time. That is always such an honor when someone has you back on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Beth Ann for joining me on today's show. If there are more aspects about the publishing industry, authors, book talk, trends, etc., let me know and I'd be happy to put together an episode for you. And if you haven't already, subscribing and leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify really, really helps the show, especially in its early days. You can also suggest a book, movie, or TV adaptation for me to cover. You can also leave a voicemail if you have a question or comment about an upcoming book we're covering. Our next episode is The Duke and I and Bridgerton Season 1. Until then, happy reading. For Ready to be Romance, I'm Tori. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>